Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this beautiful Sabbath day. The cooler temperatures, the brilliant sunshine, Lord, we are so blessed. And even more so than the, the wonderful weather outside is the gathering together of brethren and friends to worship thee, to realize that thy Son, through the power of thy Spirit, warms our hearts and indwells us and gives us hope and makes sense of things that seem senseless. Lord, be with those that can't be with us in this day. We're mindful of those like Sister Hilda, Aunt Maria Harfman, the Marcies, Aunt Laney. Those, Lord, that for whatever reason aren't able to gather with us, be with them, Lord. Visit them. Pay a special visit, Lord, to those that perhaps have chosen to stay away today and draw them with your courts of love. Be with those in this day in faraway places that are facing unrest and violence and danger. Be with those, Lord, in this day that are persecuted for thy name's sake. Strengthen and bless them. And now, Lord, give us attentive hearts. Speak to us out of thy word, and we will thank thee in advance. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Dear ones, I had a very unusual um, situation. I, knowing that it was my turn to preach and not at all being afraid to simply pray and open the word, which you'll notice has been more of my custom lately, um, I, I just thought if the Lord's going to lay something on my heart, I would preach on it. And if not, I would come and I would simply pray and open the word and meditate on what was opened. And, and while a scripture didn't come to me, a song did. And it was interesting because it was just a song. It was a song that we sang when I was in the men's ensemble. Wow, I don't know how many, long time ago, 40 plus years ago. And it's amazing how many words. My, my kids will say, Dad, you can't remember the words of a song. And that's true. I usually make up my own words. So long as they fit, I figure it's good. Um, but this one, I remembered almost the entire first verse of a song that I have not sang for at least 39 years or maybe more. And I want to read the song to you, and then I want to ask you a couple questions, and then we're going to go into some scripture. The song was this, So Willing to Die for Me. God made a plan to save my soul. Someday I'll understand why. He gave his son to make me whole, sent him in my place to die. Covered was I by sin and shame, and yet to my rescue he came. For Jesus went to Calvary, so willing to die for me. All of the wrongs that I had done freely he pardoned that day. His blood erased them one by one. He would not turn me away. Covered was I by sin and shame, and yet to my rescue he came. For Jesus went to Calvary, so willing to die for me. Oh, such a love I've never known, matchless, unbounded, and free. Since I believed my sins are gone, he brought salvation to me. Covered was I by sin and shame, and yet to my rescue he came. For Jesus went to Calvary, 
so willing to die for me. That was the song that just kept ruminating in my mind as, as I woke up this morning. Had a little bit of trouble finding it because I really thought the title of the song was God Made a Plan to Save My Soul. But fortunately, in, in this book, it kind of gives you two different indexes. So I was able to find it this morning. We, we just happened to have one of those on our piano at home. Now, with that as a backdrop, I want to ask you a couple questions. Are you worried about the situation in the world? Are you saddened by things that you see? We are truly living in a time that was prophesied in Scripture where evil is called good, and those things which are good are called evil. Nothing makes sense. Things that were foundations of truth, and I'm not even just saying biblical truth, things that in the world's understanding were true, aren't. I think I heard Brother Jim in Bible class talk about relativism. It's what you think. It does, there, are no abs, there are no absolutes in the minds of the world today. Things like gender aren't absolute. It's a surprise. Where, you know, what, will, what things that you would think would be so consistent aren't. And so, I promise, I'm not going to stay, this is going to be, this is going to be turned positive very quickly, but I, I want to read something to you. That, so I'm going to quickly jump to 2 Timothy 3. Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce bakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of, thing, of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Think about that, dear ones. And if you want to find a scripture that I'm going to really meditate on, it's Ephesians chapter 2. Do we not live in a time when men are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth? We live in, we live in a time when history isn't history. Where we, we, it used to be, now, and I realize, I'm, I'm rapidly, rapidly getting old. Okay, I just turned 60. So I am clearly on the downhill side of life, and it's getting quicker as I go. But when I was in school, and now I really feel like my dad used to say, when I was in the one-room schoolhouse, you know, no, I was not in a one-room schoolhouse. I was in a fairly large school that, yes, we did, yes, we had mimeograph machines, where they used to make copies before there was copiers. 
And yes, we had blackboards instead of whiteboards. And yes, I used to get to wash the boards at, at Roberts Elementary because I was in a public school that was 85% Catholic. So on Tuesday afternoons, they all went to religious instruction at Most Holy Rosary. And those of us that were the few Protestants in the school, we cleaned the blackboards. That is true. But it was a relatively, I thought, contemporary education. It was public school. And we were taught history. We were taught history as fact. This is what happened. This is what these people did. This is what these people thought. That doesn't exist anymore either. We rewrite it. See, you see, we, we create a narrative in our own minds to justify the relativism that we want. So now we have things like critical race theory. We have gender dysphoria. We have all kinds of amazing things. And, it, and I, don't, I don't want to take the time to do it because it's really just like really down reading. Read Romans chapter 1, and it will tell you exactly why we are the way we are, because when men knew God, they decided not to retain him in their hearts, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind that they might believe a lie. That's where we are in the world. Paul tells us in Romans 1, that's why we're as messed up as we are. And Timothy says, and that's why I chose to read Timothy 3, those first seven verses, we should expect this because this is what will happen as we get toward the end of the age of man. It's going to come. Timothy said it. Just like Peter said, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. That's after the stuff that Timothy writes about. But now what I want to do is, is I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 2. So if you can find that, please do so. Ephesians chapter 2. Because this ties into the hymn that I was reminded of this morning. Considering everything that I said, considering the lost condition of the world, as a backdrop. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirits that now work in, worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also ye had our, we had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That the wages, that, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God, who hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember 
that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh are all called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all things, in, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The entire third, second chapter in Ephesians. So, dear ones, I want to kind of walk us through this, this, this chapter. When we begin to worry, when we begin to wonder, and I'm, I'm thinking of a couple weeks ago, Brother Urs and I were at Brother Peter and Sister Lily's, and we were reviewing the, the books so that we can give the auditor's report for tomorrow night, and we talked about the chaos in the world. And I remember something and I, it may have been that Brother Peter said it first and then Sister Lily, but they both said, they're not worried. They're not concerned. They're not afraid. Yes, they, like me, worry for our children and grandchildren. That's normal. Our hearts go out. We don't want them to suffer. We don't want them to be in an ever-increasingly more ungodly world. But we're not afraid. We can't, be, we can't be overburdened with care because this, is, this was predicted to come. It was prophesied to come. The Bible tells us this is what is going to happen. Those things which are good will be called evil. Those things which are evil will be called good. We are living in those days. I said there are no absolutes. That was only partially true. There are no absolutes on this earth, but there is one absolute, and that is God. He never changes. He said, I am God, I change not. So building on the fact that he never changes, let's look at at verse number one. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead, we are alive. I was reminded as I was thinking of this song this morning, I was reminded of the, of the, the young man who was blind and could see and they challenged him because they wanted to find fault with Jesus. And he simply said this, all I know is this, I was blind, but now I see. 
You can say what you want about the man who did it, but no one can change the fact that I was once blind and now I see. No one, dear ones, can change the fact that we were once dead in sin, but now we are alive in Christ Jesus. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins, and when we became dead to sin and unto sin through the power of the Spirit, we became alive unto Christ. In that time, we transitioned from this earthly mess to another kingdom, to a kingdom of righteousness. We, dear ones, and, 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 and listen, to this to me, this is one of the most precious things about living in, in this dispensation. We can experience God in a way that even Isaiah couldn't, in a way that Moses couldn't, in a way that Elisha and Elijah could not. We become the temples of the Spirit of God. Our relationship with God is much closer than David's. We can be empowered through God, through the Spirit, to be the children of the Most High. And then in verse 2, Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation in times past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And then verse 4, But God... But God, as, as Brother Otto Fisher used to say, you have to look at the buts that are in the Bible. It, it, they're clarifying. But God, who is rich in his mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead, hath quickened us together with Christ. Isn't that amazing? Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we are made alive in him. And we also, if we die in an earthly sense, will be raised just as Jesus was. And if we are blessed to be here when he returns, we will be taken up to meet him in glory, never having to experience the physical death. And hath raised us up together, and listen to this, and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Do we think about that, brothers and sisters? We get to sit together in heavenly places. We are part of this spiritual realm right now. We can have communion with the Father through the Spirit. We can, we can walk with God in the cool of the evening just as our first parents did. Without shame, without fear, because it's the blood of Christ that's redeemed us. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us, through Christ Jesus. And what, I, you know, what I'm reading in, in verse 7 is that, that that love that we have for God continues to grow as we walk with him. I remember something that, that happened, and 
Frida and I will celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary next Sunday. I don't know how we, how 40 years went by just like that, but it did. But I remember some, there are a couple things I remember vividly about our wedding. I remember, excuse me, sitting next to her in the front bench of the Mansfield Church. Actually, I think they put a bench in front of the front bench in the Mansfield Church for us to sit on. And I remember my dad I, I, there were two things that really struck me. One was I was not going to cry because I am an emotional person and, you know, give me a good Hallmark commercial and, 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 and I'm choking back tears, okay? But I am not going to cry. I'm not going to, and I felt like I was swallowing razor blades. So I just remember he was, he was talking about things that really were touching. But then I remember something else he said. He said, he said, you, I, he said you think that you love this lovely lady sitting next to you but you don't. I'm like, really? I didn't say that, but I'm like, well, I, I sure think I do. And he goes, you're infatuated with her. He said, in 10 years, you will know exactly what I mean. You will be beginning to love her. And he was right. And after 40 years, I couldn't comprehend at that point the love that we have now because there's 40 years of walking together. There's 40 years of learning to know each other better. There's 40 years of highs and lows and joys and sadnesses. There's 40 years of shedding tears together. That's what verse 7 is all about. If I could, if, if we would have Brother Fritz Meyer sitting with us, thankfully he is resting in the bosom of Abraham, but a brother who came to the Lord at 14... And, and Brother Peter, how long did he live? 92. He was 92 when he passed away. So imagine all of those years walking with the Lord. He knew what verse 7 meant. He had seen the ups and the downs. He had cried tears multiple times. And through all of it, the Lord had been with him, walking him through all of the trials. In times when perhaps he may have felt alone, he never was. And even the battles that he would fight at 92, those last battles that the devil would throw at him, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's what that means. And then verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then I love verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. What is workmanship, dear ones? You know, when I see we are his workmanship, I think back, you know, I'm doing some, some, some deck work at home and thankfully, you know, Jeremy was there to help me because boy, did that, that help out. Mike came over and Jeremy came over before and now Jeremy's been there to help me and there's just some things that I... Uh, for whatever reason, I can't think through the way I used to. But when you build something with your hands, it's your workmanship. You know, Brother Jim was a die maker. I used to be a tool maker a long time ago. And it's workmanship. It's, it's, there's, there's almost like a signature of who we are when we build it. And it's not that the die doesn't mean anything by it, doesn't create anything by itself. The tool that I built, the mold that I built didn't do, didn't do anything by itself. 
The deck that we're working on didn't build itself. The workman built it, crafted it with unique things. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Dear ones, what a blessing. What what a privilege to be the workmanship of God. Each one of us are the workmanship of God, the product of his efforts. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And I love this, for he is our peace. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is not a place. Yeah, I, remember, I remember hearing once, dad preached a sermon when I was, when I was really young, when someone was supposed to draw a, paint, a picture of peace or something like that, and, and they had all, you know, like beaches and, and sunsets and things like that, but the one that won the contest, the artist that won the contest, had a raging sea storm battling up against a rock cliff, and on one of the clevises in the rocks on the cliff was some type of a shorebird, and under the shorebird's wing was a chick that was fast asleep. That little chick wasn't worried about the weather. Mom was, not the chick. The chick was at peace. Regardless of what's happening on the raging sea, dear ones, regardless of what's happening physically in our lives, in the lives of our family members, politically, he is our peace. In him, there is peace. And what the devil wants us to do, myself included, is focus on everything that's going on outside. He wants me to focus on the storms. He wants me to focus on who knows what, whether it's the Delta variant. You know, for whatever reason, I don't know why I've been preoccupied with what's happening in Afghanistan. You know, they've been fighting in Afghanistan for thousands of years. And what they need in Afghanistan. And those of you know how, how, how I love democracy. But Afghanistan doesn't need democracy. Afghanistan needs Christ. Because what we're learning is without God, democracy doesn't work either. He is our peace. He's the answer to everything. For he is our peace who hath both made, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. He broke down that barrier between us and God. Jesus Christ restored, made it possible for the relationship that our first father and mother had with God to be restored. It's the restoration of the garden. That aspect of the garden can be restored and is restored in those that apply the blood of Christ in their lives. Just as the relationship between Adam and Eve, husband and wife, the one that they had before the fall, can be the relationship that a husband and wife in Christ can have. Because sin is broken down in that as well if we're willing to allow the Spirit to do that 
in our marriages. And, have be, and, that, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace unto them who are afar off and to them that are nigh. For through him we both have ac- access by one spirit unto the Father, walking in the cool of the evening, if we so desire. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners and fellow citizens with this, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. We become and are the temple of God. He dwells within us. He lives within us through the Spirit. The world would tell us we are gods, and we decide what is good and what is evil and what is right and what isn't. That's a lie. We have the chance to be the dwelling place of the only God. God made a plan to save my soul. Someday I'll understand why. He gave his son to make me whole, sent him in my place to die. Covered was I by sin and shame, and yet to my rescue he came. For Jesus went to Calvary, so willing to die for me. All of the wrongs that I had done freely he pardoned that day. His blood erased them one by one. He would not turn me away. Covered was I by sin and shame. And yet, to my rescue he came. For Jesus went to Calvary, so willing to die for me. Oh, such a love I've never known. Matchless, unbounded, and free. Since I believed... My sins are gone. He brought salvation to me. My friend outside of Christ, all you need to do is believe. All you need to do is believe that Christ died for your sins and turn to him. And he does the rest. He gives you the power to break free from Satan. The shackles will be cut. And you will understand for the first time in your life what life is all about. Covered was I by sin and shame, and yet to my rescue he came. For Jesus went to Calvary, so willing to die for me. May the Lord add his blessing to these words.